You're listening to The Central Cast, recorded each week in front of a live audience in Glendale, California. Well, good morning. It was good timing. It was good timing, Bob. Thanks. It was good timing. Yeah, after after Max's little rant, we'll go ahead and turn the meeting on. Now, if you're listening to this, you have no idea what Max's little rant was. So you should come before 15 minutes after the hour and you can hear uh, what we're jabbering about as we get started on Sundays. <laughs> Good to see you all. Thank you for being here and uh, joining us. Um, of course, we are meeting only virtually this morning. Um, when we had originally planned on uh, this being our second uh, in-person service. Um, uh, of course, with the Delta variant of um, COVID spreading around and, uh, and kind of still uncertainty about what that means for breakthrough crazy cases for people who've been vaccinated. Um, yeah, we uh, had decided the leadership here at the church that uh, it was safer for us to pause uh, to continue to meet virtually um, uh, while we're uh, still hearing new information about what's going on. Um, I also wanted to let you know that we are having a board meeting next week uh, after church where the board will be talking about uh, what it looks like for us to come back in person again. And so we'll be kind of reassessing and readdressing all of that. Obviously very interested in your thoughts and uh, concerns um, and kind of your expectations as well. So if things have changed, which I'm sure for many of us, they probably have since we sent out the last survey, um, please reach out to any one of us, um, uh, staff and elders, and uh, we'd love to have your thoughts um, as we're uh, talking about uh, and making decisions. Uh, and, and part of the reason we're doing that is to have kind of a better policy in place of how we know when we're going to be meeting in person um, and when we'll meet virtually because uh, I suspect personally that this is something that's going to come back and forth a little bit, whether it's the Delta variant or some next variant that for a short period might make it uh, uh, not protective by the vaccines. Whatever that looks like in the future, that's what we're going to be talking about is so we have a plan moving forward. Um, so please give us your thoughts. We're very much looking forward to being able to meet together safely. And so uh, most of the events that we're doing, of course, are outdoors um, and um, outside of Sunday service. And we still are doing those in that safer space being outdoors. So I hope that if you're uh, comfortable and would like to start having that community, you'll join us for some of those things. Um, but would you join me in prayer this morning as we begin our service? God who brings comfort and peace in uncertainty. We come to you in an unprecedented time where we feel jerked back and forth about what it means to come back to a kind of new normal. God, in the middle of all of this difficulty around COVID-19, um, we also know that this has made complications in so many other areas. 
in relationships, in mental health, uh, in ability to provide, in careers being shut down, some temporarily, some we don't know. There's so much uncertainty. In the midst of that, I'm thankful for community and for a place like Central that we don't do this alone, that we journey together. I thank you that you have called us into community to care for one another. Let this be that place that in our moments of need, we're able to step forward and those needs can be met. When those struggle around us in our community, we can pick and lift them up. This is what it means to embody the gospel, the way of Jesus in this world. Thank you for a community of care for us in need. Thank you for inviting us to be a part of that for others. Whatever it looks like here, God, I pray for resolve for our, our leaders who make decisions about what is safe. Pray for those communicating what it looks like to move forward, for us to heal. And pray for solidarity in the midst of a time of just so much divide that we can come together in order to keep people safe, not just here in the United States, but in this world. The more doses wouldn't be wasted and expired, that they'd be distributed to places where they are needed, where people want them. God, we lift all of this up, uh, trusting in you in times of uncertainty with hope for a new way forward. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, I wanted to share with you a, a poem. Um, and uh, it's by Rabia al-Basri, uh, excuse me, Rabia al-Basri. Um, and some of you may be familiar with her. She was an uh, 8th century uh, Sunni Muslim saint and a Sufi uh, mystic. Um, and as I, I was coming across her work again this week, um, it really kind of stood out to me in the places where we are now, being a community like Central, where we've gone through so much change. Um, it's nice to be able to look back and see that there have been people um, striving for progress throughout uh, our history in our own faith and also in the faith of others. And um, um, this is what I was most familiar from her is a very famous prayer of hers um, where she says, Oh Lord, if I worship you because of fear of hell, then burn me in hell. If I worship you because I desire paradise, then exclude me from paradise. But if I worship you for yourself alone, then deny me not your eternal beauty. Um, and, and I came across this, which I hadn't read of hers, but I think which really um, spoke to me. And it's, it's a poem of hers uh, that is translated. Um, and I'm gonna share my screen 
it's very short, but part of the translation in it is the beautiful way that it's laid out. Um, But I wanted this to be our piece of liturgy. We often pull from traditions all over the place. And um, I thought this was exceptionally uh, appropriate for us here um, and fits very well with who we are at Central. This is from a poem called In My Soul. In my soul, there is a temple, a shrine, a mosque, a church where I kneel. Prayer should bring us to an altar where no walls or names exist. There is not a religion of love where the sovereignty is illuminated nothing. Excuse me. Is there not a religion of love where the sovereignty is illuminated nothing? Where ecstasy gets poured into itself and becomes lost, where the wing is fully alive, but has no mind or body. In my soul, there is a temple, a shrine, a mosque, a church that dissolve, that dissolve in God. Amen. Thanks, Bob. Now's the time in our service where we'll take communion. So if you haven't had a chance yet, please feel free to grab something you have nearby. Um, uh, feel free to, to share it in the chat as we often do. Um, I, uh, I have a piece of chocolate chip cookie from uh, the best uh, bakery uh, in Arizona, if I may say so myself, and some coffee. Um, and then, uh, if you want, uh, no Cheez-Its today, um, uh, in, in a surprise twist, but whatever you have, um, we believe that it becomes communion, it becomes holy as we take it um, in the sacred act of community. And so, even if you don't have the traditional elements, we, we use them together. So, hopefully you have something um, that you can um, join us in this, in this um, prayer. Um, and this joining of community together. Hear this prayer um, as we prepare for communion. Throughout history, O oh God, we have struggled to claim the power you have given us. Destructive forces within and around us make you, us question your call upon our lives. We turn ourselves over in ways ordinary and remarkable to what is to what has been, to the familiar. But you've created us for so much more. In Jesus, we saw a life lived in all its potential, in all its sacred power, life that is abundant, love that was creative and fervent for justice. We saw, too, the consequences of living as if the kingdom were close. And so we wonder. If we live with such courage, what will we lose? In proclaiming truths that confront unjust power, do we stand a chance of survival? How will it go for us if we are willing to risk everything for love? You have never promised us safety, but you have shown us what is possible. 
The spirit brings new life, even to places of death. Jesus, knowing the dangers ahead, still did not cave to the threats of power or give in to the temptations of the popular. There is nothing he would trade for his love of the suffering and betrayed, not even his own life. On the night of his arrest, he gathered around the table with his companions, his friends, his beloveds in the struggle, even the one who would turn him over to the cross. He took the bread, blessed it, broke it, gave it to all of them and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Take, eat, and remember me. After the supper, he did the same with the cup, saying, this is a symbol of the new covenant. Drink in remembrance of me. In remembering the life of Jesus, we remember that he, what he taught us about ourselves, about the power God has given us. We remember that God enfleshed is good news that feeds, that protects, that heals and delivers. We remember the words he spoke. Whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these. And so we pray. Pour out your spirit on this bread and this cup, O oh God, or whatever it is you have today. Though through these gifts, fill our hearts with courage to believe that the kingdom is within us, to live boldly in pursuit of love that liberates, and to follow the wisdom that leads from the margins. Blessed be this meal of hope. Amen. And with that, I invite you to take what it is you have as the bread and the wine and um, take at your own pace in remembrance of this commitment in this body. Amen. All right, thanks for that, Max. So we have a light week coming up. Um, Holy Happy Hour is this Friday on the 13th at 8.30 p.m. It's gonna be at We're Pouring in Glendale and we will be meeting outside so everyone can feel safe. Um, and that's actually it for the week. I'll pass it on to you, Aaron. Thanks so much, Angie. So uh, now is the time to share our joys and concerns, our prayer requests, or our words of thanksgiving. If you have something you'd like to share or have prayed about, you can unmute uh, now, or you can always put it in the chat column, and I'll do my best to see it there. But uh, does anybody have anything this morning? Hi, Aaron. Hey, Cassandra. Um, I have a whole lot of, of things. <laughs> um, we have, um, I took Marley to Columbia and left her with family. Wow. Um, so she is on an adventure right now. Okay, when you say Columbia, I assume you're not talking about like Columbia, South Carolina, but Columbia, yeah. the country. Right, like Bogota. Yeah. Gotcha. She, in Bogota with her grandparents and extended family. Okay. And it's just, we are so grateful for the family that reached out and offered a space for her to come and to 
just give us all some space. It's not really natural for a teenager to be with their parents uh, as long as we've been together. Um, so this is, you know, an opportunity for her, but it's also, it's also really big because Marley is struggling still to like accept her autism diagnosis and to like embrace um, her needs, right? And, and the accommodations that she needs to like advocate for. So it's a big deal. Yeah, um, sounds like wow. And she, she kind of wants to come home uh, like once a week, but, and, and she can, we'll bring her home, um, but we're encouraging her to stay. And today she said, I really wanted to be able to stay here and heal. And I just don't know if I can. And I said, that's okay. We'll figure it out. You know, it's kind of a day by day thing. So just prayers for her. Um, but also thanks to the family and like so much gratitude that this opportunity opened up for us. Um, yeah, yeah. Wow. Okay. Sure. So that's, that's big, but also, um, <clears throat> we're all quarantined because, um, even though we're all vaccinated, Harrison has COVID-19. So he's yeah. basically symptom free. Like he's, it's nothing out of the usual for him. His energy's good. He's fine. But some kids at daycare had tested positive. So I went and had him tested and he is also positive so Got it. um there's no like i feel like we're just really testing the vaccines right now we're giving it a really good run for its money um so far tony has continued to test negative for work but they're still having him stay home right now um so we're just all here uh being coughed on by a small child but <laughs> it's a like we're okay we're all feeling okay so wow but just, you know, uh, I still have a lot of anxiety and worries about long-term effects or whatever. So just to think about him as well would be nice. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Um, I think I speak for everybody um, when I say that just our love and care for you and your family right now is just really strong. And, and yeah, with that heart, let's pray together. Loving God, we lift up Cassandra and, and her family, and especially Marley, who's um, currently in Colombia, and all that she's going through. We pray for her strength, strength of spirit, strength of mind, that she might find the healing that she needs, that she might receive the support and care she needs from, from family um, and others. We also just lift up Harrison and the entire family during this time of COVID and and their exposure, and we just pray for health and wellness and, and a relief from anxiety. Um, be with all of us, we pray, Lord, during this difficult time. You meet us in the hour of our suffering and in our brokenness, in our anxieties, in our physical ailments as well. Um, for you are the God that was stricken and afflicted, and we just pray that we might not feel alone. Um, yeah. But we especially lift up Cassandra and her family. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, keep us, keep us up to date. Anybody else? All right. And with that, Max, I'll pass it over to you. Oh, sorry. Uh, I, I was actually, no, I was just seeing if there was anyone else before I jumped in. Oh, okay. Uh, oh, I, I, yeah, I just, I had a request. 
Um, so I'm in Arizona right now, um, uh, and we'll probably be here um, through the week. My dad ended up having um, sort of emergency surgery on his spine. Um, he was losing feeling and sensation in his legs. Um, and um, turns out like the myelin sheath in his spine had been totally worn through and the bone was compressing it. Um, the good news is that uh, um, he was able to, um, you know, connect with what he calls the best neurosurgeon um, in the Southwest. And I, I have no reason to not believe him. Uh, and who said like, hey, I can get in there and I can do it. But um, they essentially, you know, had, had to have a pretty major surgery. He did really well. They thought it was super successful, um, but he's um, pretty slow moving and uh, reco recovering now. So uh, we came, um, we were hoping to get some sort of trip to Arizona before Theo starts school anyway. And this kind of presented the opportunity to do a uh, twofer um, to be able to help um, him through this week of recovery too. So um, he's doing okay. Um, but it's, it's going to be unclear how successful it was probably for six weeks for the swelling and stuff to go down. So if we could just um, be yeah. in prayer for my, my dad. Yeah. When X, I'm sorry to hear that. That is really um, hard and stressful, I'm sure, for all of you, but especially him. Yeah. Let's, let, let's pray. We lift up Rick and this surgery and his spine and all that's involved with just going through such a, a, a horrific situation and, and, the, and the worry that comes along with spinal issues. We pray for his healing and his wellness holistically, body, spirit, soul, and mind. Um, be with this family as they are with each other. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah. All right, Max. Well, with that, I'll hand it over to you again. Thanks. Um. So I will play a short music video. Um, I'm going to put the lyrics in the uh, chat because it's, um, I don't know if any of you have had similar experiences, but this is a song that I first fell in love with, I think when I was a junior or senior in high school, um, because it was catchy and I liked it and it was fun to play loudly in the car. And it was one of those ones that I rediscovered more recently and just started falling in love with the depth of it um, and uh, um, the, the lyrics and the message um, kind of hits you different when you're an adult. I'm, I'm guessing some of you have similar uh, experiences of like hearing a song like, oh, I never actually understood how deep that song was until now and I've had my own life experiences. Um, but anyway, it is by a Canadian band um, doesn't look like they're here today, but uh, Andrew and Nisha, uh, one of the nicest compliments I've ever had is when they first started coming, they said, uh, Karis and I, when we were doing music at church, like you guys sound like the band, the Canadian band stars. Um, I, I, I do not make that claim just to be very clear before I play this, but um, it has just a cool connection point uh, to our community as well. I'll have to tell them, I'll have to tell them I played stars in Zoom church. Um, but again, I'll, I'll, I invite you to read the lyrics um, and I'll, I'll play it. It's just a couple of minutes long here. Um, but I hope that I hope they're uh, deep to you in some way that they speak to you and that they're meaningful to you, or at least you enjoy it. The song, <clears throat> both are okay. Huh. It is beeping at me that I can't paste. Let's try that again. Okay. Oh, I can't paste. 
I don't know why. Bob, you're usually uh, able to do this. Could you work on, because I won't be able to when the screen's up. Copy paste? I know it's a yeah. new Zoom thing. Yeah, I'll, I'll uh, figure it out. Okay, this, it's called, um, uh, it's by Stars, and it's called Set Yourself on Fire, a provocative, uh, provocative title here. I'll just go ahead and share. Let's roll.
Well, thanks, Max. You're welcome. Sorry, the so next this week, always... Sorry. what's that, Max? Sorry. I was trying to get to my mute button. I, I only have one screen. <laughs> the next song started blasting into my ears. I only have one oh, I see, today. sure. So I was like, sorry, I was frantically scrambling. Totally fine, man, it's all good. So this, this week and next, I want to talk about the cross. I'm reading a book right now from John Caputo, as I'm off to do. Uh, this book is called, it's his newest, it's called Cross and Cosmos. I highly recommend it. And um, well, it's, it's subtitled, A Theology of Difficult Glory. I think there are some really important ideas in there. And so my talk today and next week will be heavily influenced by Dr. Caputo more than more than usual, perhaps. Uh, and as some of you know, John Caputo is a personal friend and has spoken at Central before and has been an influence on a lot of us. So there's basically two different Jesuses found in the New Testament. I know that's kind of a controversial thing to say, but I think there's, uh, there's a lot of validity to that. There's basically two different Jesuses found in the New Testament and specifically within Paul's writings. There is the Jesus of the cross, and then there's the Jesus of glory. The Jesus of the cross is a suffering and powerless God who overcomes the world, not with you know, power and might, like the power and might of, say, the Roman Empire, who nailed him to the cross. Right? Jesus's power was not of this world in that way. It was not the power to conquer and to control, to dominate and destroy, or, or to coerce, or to force with threats of violence. That's the power of empire. That's the power of this world, right? But rather Christ's power is the so-called weak power of things like love and compassion and self-sacrifice, which of course is true power, right? Another way of saying it is to say that Christ overcame the world by overcoming the fear of death with love. And so can we. 
His love for us outweighed his fear of death, even death on a cross. And when you no longer fear death, the world cannot control you or silence you. So the world could not control or silence him, right? The priests and the Pharisees and, and Pontius Pilate could not silence him, right? If you no longer fear death or fear death enough, right? They have no power over you. The world has no power over you. You have overcome them and rendered them powerless. Colossians says, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. This was the strength and power of the so-called weak and powerless God, the God revealed in the cross. That's what Paul was saying, I believe, in 1 Corinthians 1, when he said, but God chose the weak things of the world. God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, like a crucified peasant. God chose what is low and despised in the world, the things that are not to reduce to nothing, the things that are. Paul should have stuck with that Jesus, in my opinion. Um, he should have stuck with that Jesus of the cross, but instead, sometimes, you know, because Paul wasn't perfect, uh, sometimes he got caught up in delusions of grandeur and dreams of glory and, and a Jesus of glory who is you know, returning with a sword in hand to smite his enemies and to rule. Um, Paul seemed to believe that the meek and mild Jesus who forgave his enemies would return in real glory and real power, no longer meek at all, no longer forgiving his enemies anymore, right? But according to Paul and, and other New Testament writers, this Jesus of glory will exact revenge on his enemies and pour out his wrath on them such that, that they will rue the day they were born or ever heard of Jesus of Nazareth. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I will repay, Romans 12 says. And, and after he pours out his vengeance, Paul believed that the same Jesus of Nazareth, who of course shunned thrones and crowns and worldly power while he walked among us, this Jesus will then take up a crown uh, and, a, and a throne and rule over all of creation as king of kings and lord of lords, the ultimate emperor ruling over the ultimate empire. So we find a tale of two different Jesuses in, in, in Paul's writings and really throughout the New Testament, including in the book of Revelation. The, the entire early church, it seems, was somewhat per, perplexed and unsure of what to make of this crucified God, and, and rightfully so. I mean, it's a, it's a it's an astounding idea. God is crucified. Uh, God is humiliated. Um, th these kinds of ideas. But I think the Jesus of the cross is the one we should really follow more than the Jesus of glory. And so does Caputo. And uh, this, this Jesus of the cross does lead to a place of redemption. It's not, I don't think it's all bad news. I think there's great news. Um, but maybe not in the way that we think, right? The, the popular understanding of the redemption that Jesus brings into the world the, the popular you know, re story of redemption we find in evangelical circles is one where God intervenes eventually, sometime in the future, God will intervene in cosmic history. And he will supernaturally reverse entropy and suspend the laws of physics that lead to decay and death and you know, the disintegration of all things, right? Physicists and cosmologists today tell us that the universe is expanding and cooling and eventually you know, all, all the lights will go out, all the stars will burnt out, and all movement will cease, and the universe will remain a cold, dark, and lifeless place for all of eternity, many billions of years from now, right? Um, such a cosmic story is untenable for a lot of evangelicals and believers, right? 
Uh, another popular view of God is that God will simply, or another popular view of, of redemption is that God will one day simply rapture us Christians, and, and only us, of course. God will one day rapture us out of this doomed universe and into another one outside space-time and beyond the reach of things like entropy. And who knows? You know, perhaps our consciousness will go on after our bodies have died and decayed. Perhaps there are other dimensions and other universes that our consciousness can ascend to. Who knows? I for sure don't know. And anybody who claims to know, I think shouldn't be trusted. Uh, so let's admit that. Let, let, let's admit that we're in the dark about all that. This to me is what it means to sit at the foot of the cross. We're in the dark about all that stuff. And because we are, we are faced really with only one real option. We must learn to live in the world as it is, entropy and all, which means that we should learn to live as if this is all there is, this one world, this, this one universe, this one life. We don't know if more is given to us. So the best thing to do is to learn to live in the world that is given to us. To do otherwise, I think, is to deny the reality of our lives and to miss a great opportunity. The opportunity to affirm life in the deepest way possible and the opportunity to affirm love in the deepest way possible, which is the ultimate redemption. And, and more in line with the Jesus of the cross who embraced weakness and death and the world as it is in order to find life. When we accept that humanity and all of creation itself are mortal, Caputo says, then and only then is it possible to affirm our lives and the cosmos, the being of all things, all creatures great and small. Only then, only then can we do so unconditionally, meaning without the expectation of a return, without why. To, to affirm something unconditionally is to affirm it in the face of its temporality, temporality without any guarantees that, that we're going to get anything back in return. This means that in a way, death is a great gift. Death gives us the opportunity to affirm life in a way that we couldn't do otherwise. If we knew that we would live forever, if we knew that everything had a purpose, including our sufferings, if we knew that all wrongs would be made right in the end, if we knew all this, then it, wouldn't, then it would be easy. It would be easy to affirm life. But this is not the situation we're in. And so we have an opportunity to do something spectacular. We have an opportunity to make a glorious expenditure of love like Jesus on the cross, which is really the only way for love to really be love. I'm reminded of something that Jesus said in Luke chapter six. He said, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? If you only love those who love you, what credit is that to you? But love your enemies and do good, expecting nothing in return. And in doing so, your reward will be great and you will be children of the Most High. Jesus is saying here that the deepest and most divine kind of love can only be given without condition, without why, without an expectation of it being returned, without any ulterior motives or strings attached. He's talking about love for the sake of love. This is, of course, a picture of God's love for us, but it's meant to be a picture of our love for each other and our love of life and being itself. To put Jesus's words in Luke 6 a little differently, think of it this way. Perhaps he was saying, if you love life because life is always good to you, what credit is that to you? If you affirm and love life because you don't think you're ever going to die, what credit is that to you? But if you love life on its own terms, 
as it's been given to you, as fragile and temporal as it is, your reward will be great, which I don't take to mean that we'll be granted treasures in heaven. Such an idea just reinscribes a quid pro quo, a, a this for that, a, an economy of rewards and punishments. That's not love. For love to really be love, it must be freely given and, and an act of unconditional grace without the expectation of it necessarily being returned. And I think this is the picture of love we get from Jesus and a picture of love we get from the cross. A glorious expenditure of love without, without any expectations, without foreknowledge that everything's going to be okay. Such an idea has inspired mystics and poets for generations. I'm reminded of the words of Angelus Silesius, a German uh, mystic, a German Christian mystic from the 16th century. He once quipped, the, the rose is without why. It blossoms because it blossoms. It cares not for itself, asks not if it is seen. In other words, be like the rose. Live for the sake of living. Bloom for the sake of blooming. Love for the sake of loving. Display beauty for the sake of beauty itself. There, there's no higher ideal than this. Or consider the words of Don Cupid, an Anglican priest I really like. He says, the sun symbolizes the religious ideal of a full synthesis of death in life because the thermonuclear burning, which is the sun's living, is also and identically its dying. The sun's very existence is a unity of vitality and mortality. It burns and it burns out. It expends itself gloriously. It lives not by thriftily saving away, but by recklessly giving itself away, end quote. The point is, you know, live like the rose and the sun and see life as a glorious expenditure unto death, a courageous and beautiful act, an unconditional affirmation of life in all of its fragility and temporality. There's no better cosmic setting for love, Caputo says, than this one that we're in. Love thrives in places where it happens without why, without the need of a long-term payback, without the assurance of a happy ending. When love happens, it happens come what may. Love is an expenditure made without the expectation of a return, without guarantees. Love is the heart of a heartless world, the difficult glory of a crucified world. Love burns brightly in the sky of a dark and mysterious universe where even the stars are mortal, end quote. So this, this to me is an understanding of redemption that takes the cross seriously, which is to say that it takes life seriously. This has been a deeply therapeutic understanding for me in my life as I've struggled to figure out over the years how Christianity is still a redemptive message. I think this is profoundly redemptive. I feel like it helps us find serenity here and now in our lived lives, in our lived reality, and really commit ourselves to love, the love of life and, and the love of others. So that's, that's my talk today. I hope that wasn't uh, too, too philosophical and theological. Some, some weeks I get like that. But I'm curious how you hear this message today. Does this Jesus of the cross resonate with you? Why or why not? Anybody? Thanks, Jason. I appreciate that.
can you say more about why that's so life-changing for you? If not, that's okay. <laughs> I'm fixing a leaking toilet right now, so I can't, but. You know, that you is a perfect, that is a perfect example of what I'm talking about. You're fixing a leaking toilet and you're pontificating about matters of ultimate importance. That's, that's life. That's great. That's right. This is, this is the rose right here is uh, my leaking toilet. <laughs> it is without why. It is without why. That's right. I got one of those too, by the way, a leaking toilet. Um, Akila, you said that's the basic thesis of The Good Place, by the way. Yes, I'm in the second season. I am, I am discovering that. Yes. You can find these really sophisticated theories even in pop culture, it appears today, which is great. That's not really sophisticated theory makes it sound inaccessible. The whole point is this stuff is extremely accessible, I think. But it does, it does mean actually thinking about it. Yeah. Anybody else today? Other thoughts? Cassandra says Marley did a part of a part of a philosophy class focused on the good place. <laughs> I need to watch more of it, apparently. Max, have you have you watched the entire series? Okay. Yeah. It's one of those, it's like, oh, there's like a happy, kind of funny uh, sitcom. And then the more you watch it, you're like, oh, this is like really deeply philosophical. And they do it in a way that's accessible and just, cool. yeah, I highly recommend. All right. Well, I'll continue on the series. I made it to the second season. All right. Well, if there's nothing else, uh, we will dismiss. You can always stay on and, and chat if you'd like. But otherwise, thanks for being here, everybody. Stay safe out there. Have a fabulous week. Meditate on the rose and the sun and the cross. Go in mm. peace. Thanks, Aaron. Yeah, thanks, Randy. <laughs>